0: Thank you. Thank you, guys. My name is Matt. My wife, Sue, just came up here. Um, a lot of people call me Mookie. You'll notice a lot of people call me Matt. I've noticed whenever there's a serious situation, people start calling me Matt instead of Mookie. Um, sometimes in the middle of talking to me, it's like there's two different languages. There'll be Mookie, 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 and I start asking some serious questions. I don't know Matt, and it's just kind of funny how that works. Um, well, I'm glad to be here this morning. Um, we're glad that Josh gets a couple days to, to not preach, to be with his family, and uh, I haven't actually met the baby yet. Sue's so gone over there a few times and has uh, um, taken some photos, and um, Josh asked me to speak uh, about 10 days ago, and I'm like, well, uh, I'm speaking at Crew, so can I just give the same talk? And he said, sure. So this is an encore presentation for you guys. Hopefully, uh, it will be uh, you know a little unique for us here as well. Um, yeah, so I imagine, um, if you've been here, you've been hearing us go, uh, been going through the book of Exodus, and in Exodus, we're learning about the law, and learning about all the different laws, how does that apply to us, and how do we live these things out, and, uh, you're probably, if you're here this morning, whether you're watching or here in the audience, you're, you're probably coming, because, you know, this is what Christians do, right? This is, we need to come to church, uh, want to come to worship, I want to learn, about God. I want to learn the right things to do. Maybe you came here, maybe you're seeking things out because you had interacted with a person, a Christian, and, you know, they uh, you see what they have. They seem to have this joy, this peace. They seem to have something about them that is attractive, and you want that as well. So I want to I feel that. I want to experience this peace. Um, or maybe you're just like, I want to be a good person. You know, I want to do good I want to be on the right side of history. I want to understand how to make a difference in the world. I don't want to just be just an average person going on in life. And I wanna I wanna be good. So maybe you wanna, you know, uh you're here because you, you wanna be good for yourself, or maybe you wanna make God proud. You want a good life, you want to experience you wanna do all the right the good things. That's where we're, we're studying the Bible, that's what we're learning about what Jesus said. Peace and joy, purpose. Maybe you think, I've been blessed. God has been good to me. He's done so much for me. So I should be doing things for God. This is the least I can do. I can pay back God. I need, I need to, you know, I've been blessed with so many things. I need to do things for other people to help them. I've been helped. I'm not gonna be one of those people who just kind of sit in the back or, you know, don't do anything. I'm going to be good. I'm going to be good. I'm going to be good. But if you're feeling that, I can imagine that under the surface, there might be things going on. You may be saying to yourself, under the surface, I'm pretty sure I'm worthless if I can't be of service. Who am I if I can't run with the ball? Who am I if I can't carry it all, and there's stuff going on, and there's a little clip. Maybe you're feeling something like this little clip we'll show here. The crushing weight of expectations would that some room up for joy or relaxation or simple pleasure. Instead, we measure the scroll. Up. whoa. Sure tip, 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 till you just go bo? Whoa. Give it to your sister, it doesn't hurt. And see if she can handle every family burden. Watch does she fall for but never breaks. No mistakes, just brush like a grip for weight. Alright, well, Josh said it was okay for me to show a clip at church. I know that doesn't usually happen here. Um, But, you know, I'm I'm used to people singing, you know, a crew of people start singing along. So you guys want to sing along? You want to to interact with me as I'm talking? I love it, you know? Pressure. It's pushing down on you. It's pushing down on me. I'm giving all the different references here for the different ages here, okay? So if you haven't heard the Encanto song, maybe you heard the Queen song, right? There's pressure. Pressure. It pushes down on us. We feel it. Pressure. Maybe you're like, if you haven't seen a canto, it's a great movie. The first time, I was like, it's pretty good. The second time, I kind of like, it. oh, the songs are catchy. And then the fifth, sixth, seventh time, wow, there's great things. About a dozen times I've seen it now, it's, it's getting better, you know? Um, maybe you feel like Lisa, who was in that video, like, I need, I need to be strong. I need to be strong. I need to hold things up. There's expectations. I need to be strong for the family. I need to be strong for the church. Maybe you're like, Isabella who is another character who's like, has to be perfect, can't ever mess up. Maybe you're like another character who feels like he doesn't do, you can't do anything right, he's always messing up, so he just goes and runs and hides, but we don't, we don't talk about. Or maybe you feel like Mirabel, who was there at the end, who felt like, you know, who didn't have a gift, who has, didn't have something special, and, and, and she wants to make a difference for her family. She wants to fit in. She wants to, to make a difference. And she's, and, and she's just learned, you know, to like kind of just like put on a happy face. And she says to herself, don't be upset or mad at all. Don't feel regret or sad at all. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm totally fine. I'm not fine. I'm not fine can't move the mountains, I can't make the flowers bloom, I can't take another night in my room waiting on a miracle. Am I too late for a miracle? Some of us may be wondering that. Is it too late for me? There's pressure we feel, pressure to perform, pressure to please others, pressures to be, to prove ourselves to God or to ourselves Pressure to be perfect. Maybe that's to be a good leader, to, to go on a mission trip, to never fight with anyone, to never have conflict with your spouse, to never get upset with your kids. Now that's for me. That's for me, it's like, I want to be a good husband. I want to be a good dad. I feel that pressure. No one's really putting that on me, but I feel it. I want to be a good leader. I'm a, I'm a leader of our staff team. I'm a minister. I need to know the Bible. And we've been told, there's a good life if we follow Jesus. We've been told there's a good life if we follow him. But we're not experiencing it. So Larry Crabb in the book Pressures Off, he says, you know, what happens? So we begin to ask, what am I doing wrong? What's getting in the way? What do I need to do differently to make my life work? Well, in the book of Galatians, I'm going to run through parts of Galatians with you. Uh, Paul is writing to a group of Christians, new Christians. This is probably, uh, is considered by most of you the first book of the New Testament, if not the first, maybe the second. And these are Gentile Christians. They're new to this, to this whole faith. And Paul, he's suffering, right? He's in jail now. He's away from them. And there may be some questions. Well, what's going on with Paul here? Why is he suffering? Why is he in jail? Is he okay? And in the midst, of, there's these other people coming out. These Judaizers are coming to them and saying, you're doing things wrong. You're not, you don't have a, you're not doing the right things. You need to do these other things on top of what you're doing. You need to get circumcised. You need to do these other, other things that prove that you are a follower of God they're probably wondering, what what should we do? Do we need to get circumcised? Do we need to start going to synagogue? Do we need to stop eating pork? Do we need to do these other things so we fit in, so we're right? And throughout the book of Galatians, and this would be a great whole series to talk about, but Paul repeatedly says the same things, so he keeps on reminding them to not turn to another gospel. Don't turn to another gospel, another method, another thing. Remember what Jesus has done for you. In Galatians 1, he puts it out there. How are you turning so quickly to another gospel? In Galatians 3, he says, you began in the spirit, and you're now trying to perfect yourself in the flesh. You're trying to do things on your own power now. And there's all these people are out there telling them they need to do this. But Paul wants them and wants us to enjoy a new way of life, a life of freedom a life of freedom in Christ, and a life with the Spirit. So we're going to look at uh, Galatians chapter 5. So it's a good ch- I'll be running around a couple of different places. Um, but Galatians 5 will be the where we'll spend the majority of our time. If you want to turn there, you can. I'm going to pray for us real quick. i pray for myself, maybe. God, I thank you for this time. I ask that you would give, us, uh, give, us, give me focus as I speak. And that you give us clarity of your word. Spirit asks you to be with us, direct us, and guide us, and speak to our hearts. Work in us. Be glorified. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul uh, begins after talking about um, being of the Son of the Promise versus the Son of the, uh, the Slave, the Son of, the, uh, of being under grace instead of the license. In verse 1 is for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand, therefore, do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. And there's a couple of different types of slavery. You may think of slavery to the world to sin, people before, you know who are uh, enslaved to the ways of the world, um, giving themselves over to pleasure. there's also a slavery to the law, to rules, to regulations. And that's what he's kind of addressing here at the beginning of Galatians five. is now you've been set free from this one thing from your sin, and now you're turning into a slavery to this law, to these rules, regulations. And that's like, you know, maybe for them was circumcision, for us it could be, like, you know, I need to pray more, I need to do more, I need to learn more, I need to lead more. Larry Crabb, I think the next one will have a slide here, um, talks about this as the old way. And what he says is, what happens is, you're looking for another version of the old way. Uh, maybe the previous one. I think. Um, You're looking for a method. You're looking at another version of the old way. Jesus has come to show you the new way. You're looking for a method to make life work, and that's the old way. Whatever method you choose becomes your master. So the method that we choose to like make our life work or make our life feel good, um, to, to, to feel like we're worthy, could be different things. For some, it could be, Sex, drugs, money, success. Those things will begin to enslave us. That's what we think will give us satisfaction, give us hope, give us joy. It could also become religious activity, ministry, morals, morality, being good, doing good things. Crabb goes on, he says, You've been bound to your desire for a better life, which you define by your experience of pleasure and pain. So if you have, if there's pleasure, I can go to the next slide, I think it's on that one. Um, then I'm feel it's good. If there's pain, then it's bad. And so even like things like prayer, he says, become idol worship. Prayer is not the old way. Prayer is not the old way of doing things, but the way you are is. James will say, you, you, uh, you do not have because you do not ask. So yeah, we should ask God for things. But then he also says, you do not have because you ask For your own self, for your own selfish uh, purposes. Why do we pray? He goes on and says, Your determination to do what is effective is futile because you are sovereign over nothing. You control nothing. Influence is real, but control is an illusion. The illusion of control brings requirement. Requirement creates pressure. Pressures lead to slavery, the slavery of having to figure out how to make life work. He refers to it as the law of linearity. If I do A plus B, then I will get C. If I do A plus B, then I will get C. Examples of this is, if I read my Bible and pray, I will feel close to God. I just have to follow these rules. I have a quiet time every morning. The rest of the day will be good. If I take my kids to church and don't let them watch bad TV shows, they will be good kids. I follow the rules. I did what was right. I read the books. I'm I'm working hard. They should be good kids. If I pray pray and study hard, I will get good grades. If I read all the apologetic books and I speak truth to people, people will come to Christ. Really, what this is, is another form of the prosperity gospel. Hunter mentioned something about prosperity gospel the other day. Uh, you know, we can fall into two different, two different ways, usually, we think of, you know, sometimes there's people who's like, well, I don't want no blessings, and we can go in this trap of, like, asceticism, where we don't, uh, we try to hurt ourselves, we have to do other things that make our lives miserable, because we don't think we should have anything good. God really does want to bless us, Um. But other times people say, well, we should everything should go perfectly for us. I should have lots of money. I should never be sick. But there's a subtle thing within this prosperity gospel for many of us. We might realize, well, yeah, Paul was persecuted and uh, and Jesus was persecuted. Um, and people get sick. And so I know I'm not I don't have to be like, I'm not gonna be a billionaire. But there's there's other ways that we think, but I should feel good. I should have relief. My marriage shouldn't have any trouble. My kids should be doing well. I should feel peace. When those things aren't happening, what happens to me? I think of, um, I'm going to get a little bit out of order here. With um, when I was 19 years old, my sister had a brain tumor and she was a good Christian. She worked at a Christian school. She served God, and we were praying for her. So obviously, she would get better, but she didn't, and it wrecked my faith. I didn't know what to do with that. How could God do this? How could God allow this to happen? She is not one of these bad people. She is doing all these things for God. In that time, I was starting to go to church, starting start to read my Bible consistently, starting to go to the retreat, starting to share my faith. I'm doing these things for you, God. What are you doing for me? We want to control. We want, we want to feel good. We want God to do things for us. Crabb says, we haven't accepted the new law, the freedom in Christ. The new law is the law of liberty, law of freedom in Christ. But we haven't accepted that because it requires us to give up the illusion of control the illusion of control, so you like to be able to control things even if it 's an illusion it says you maneuver, you don 't trust, you negotiate, you don 't worship, you analyze and interpret to gain control over what happens, you do not depend. you seek the better life of god 's blessing or the better hope of god 's presence. So let me give examples of what that could look like negotiating maneuver, not trusting, analyzing well. I, you know, I raise support, so it's like, well, who are the people who are most likely to give? Those are the people I'll start to ask, right? Who are, the, you know, if, if, uh, if I get this certain sign, then I'll go, right? If I give, I'll give money to missions once I pay for a kid's college, once we have enough, uh, enough money in the bank. I'll let my kids go on missions once I'm sure they're mature enough to go. I've already made so many sacrifices for my wife and my kids, for others. I need some time to myself. I'll do what God asks until it gets hard. I'll do what God asks as long as it makes sense, as long as I feel happy about it. Jesus addresses a couple people when they said they're going to follow him. He said, first let me bury my father. First let me do this. First let me do that. And he says, no, follow me now. The law of linearity says this. Do you want to be spiritual? Practice spiritual disciplines. Do you want to overcome sexual addiction? Join a recovery group. Find the help you need to keep you away from pornography. The point is getting your life together, not getting closer to God. This is the prosperity gospel we start to begin to live for. Make my life better. Make me more moral. Not getting closer to god what happens when the law works we become proud so we might disguise it as gratitude one of those humble brags when things uh uh when when it doesn't work what it, we assume we didn't do enough when things uh, go well we publicly praise god and whisper and privately whisper to ourselves of course i did everything right things go poor, poorly publicly declare god is working for my good but inside, we probably wonder, what did I do wrong? What have I, have I not learned yet? I had a friend, he's going through, had like, we figured out later it was migraines and panic attacks at the same time. Doctors couldn't figure out what it was. Suffered through this for a long time. And at one point, he's like, I just want to learn what God is teaching me through this. Kind of with the attitude, once I've learned what God wants to teach me through this, then I'll be okay then I won't suffer anymore. God is teaching me something through this, so I need to figure it out, and once I do, the pain will go away. We like to have these little rules, right? I was thinking the other day, uh, you know, when I was single, um, we're always trying to figure out how we're going to get married, how we're going to meet somebody, and someone said, you know, you'll find someone when you least expect it. And so my friend Matt goes, I'm just going to sit right here, not expecting a thing, anytime now. Not expecting a thing. It's silly, but it's kind of what we do. We try to find things to work. If it worked for someone else, it should work for me. They read this book. They did this devotional with their family. It was great. I needed to do it too. I went to a conference. I felt great. I'm going to go to this conference again. This person read the Bible. They felt comforted. They prayed things I answered, so I should do it too, and God will do the same thing. We reduce God's holy law to effective principles and think by following them reasonably well, life will work out as we wish. We feel proud when it does and defeated when it doesn't. We talk a lot about justice and healing here at church. And we start to use these type of principles. It could be like, I'm going to use the Bible in order to get to justice. And if Jesus can help me to, uh, to get justice, then he's good. But if not, it's not that important. What matters is the healing. What matters is to be to, to for everything to be better. But Jesus doesn't, didn't just come to heal us. He came to give us life. You can take a corpse and make it look pretty. Partitions come and do that all the time. And it looks pretty, but it's still dead. The body is dead. There, the, what the body needs is, is life. Now, when we're alive... Healing is important, and it's important to God, and he wants to bring healing, and he wants to bring justice. We cannot discount who Jesus is, what Jesus did for us on that cross to bring us life. We need life. We need him. That we we tend to seek ways to make others and God serve us, make God love us, rather than seek ways to love and serve God and others. We wind up living with pressure. We wind up. Um, we wind up feeling like we need to do more. We rely on ourselves rather than rely on God. We try in our own efforts and fall short. And when we can't, when we can't uh, find that peace and that joy, well, then we'll go after some other way to get it. Maybe, like, if you're like me, I'll eat some Oreos. Maybe you watch TikTok videos or the newest show on Netflix. Maybe you look at porn. Maybe you rise and grind and make money and get whatever you can. Maybe you get a new theological book to defend your faith or deconstruct it. Whatever you can. God offers a new way. Jesus offers a new way. In Matthew 11, uh, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. He doesn't say, I'm taking away your work. He's going to say, come work alongside me. We're attached together, and we will work together. This is actually, you know, Chris mentioned relief. I don't want relief. I want rest. It's not just a temporary relief. Oftentimes we seek just relief from our problems. Jesus offers us rest, rest that is found in him. And so that's, he says, come to me and I'll give you rest. I think that's, uh, would be reminiscent of Isaiah 55, and I think that's on here as well, where it says, come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, all you have no money, come, buy and eat, come. Buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you delight. You will delight in the richest fare. Give ear and come to me, listen, that you may live. Come, these other things are not going to satisfy. Your methods are not going to satisfy you. Your work is not going to satisfy you. Come to me. Come to the waters and he will go with this water, in John seven thirty seven 37, it says, well, Anyone who is thirsty, Jesus says, come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. And so this is where we get into Galatians. I'm kind of jumping all over the place. I said it was in Galatians, but... Paul's going to bring in the Holy Spirit. Talk about the Holy Spirit. Galatians five. Um, he's in towards the middle. He say, he talks to them about loving your neighbor. He says, but if you bite and devour yourself, watch out. And then he says in verse sixteen, "But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the uh, desires." Place. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. He goes on, he lists kind of a bunch of different things that they may uh, do under, uh, under the, in the flesh, the works of the flesh, which are all these evil things, immorality, anger, all these things that we would notice and say, this is not what I want in my life. And then he says um, in verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, faithfulness, its all sound like good things, right? These are all good things, probably things that we want in our life. And I would read these verses, and I would memorize this verse as a kid, and I think, this is what I want to be in my life. I need to do those things. I need to be loving. I need to have joy. I need to have peace. So when things are difficult, I should be at peace. Just have peace. Things are just have joy. Be loving. That's what a good Christian does. That's what this is telling me. But whose fruit is this versus God? Whose fruit is it? It's the Spirit's fruit. It is not my fruit. I'm not the one producing it. It is the Spirit that is producing this fruit in me. The Spirit is the one who will make make these things happen. So who is the Holy Spirit? Who or what is this Holy Spirit? Well, um, I want to turn us to John chapter 14. I'm going to read a few verses here. If We're going to understand what it means to walk in the Spirit. We need to understand who the Spirit is. In John chapter 14, he says, if you love me, verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth in the world cannot receive, because they neither sees him Nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. In verse 26, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. And then in 6 Chapter 16, he goes on, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and justice. 13 and 14, says, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for you're not speaking on, authority, on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and declare to you things that are come. He will glorify me. So who is the Holy Spirit? Well, he is God himself. He, he comforts, he convicts, he changes us, and above all, he exalts Christ. So there's, you know, kind of the year four points, three points, but uh, some alliteration there. The Spirit will comfort us. He'll convict us of sin, and he changes us. That's the fruit of the Spirit. He's beginning, he'll produce that change in us. In John 15, in between these verses, Jesus talks about him being the vine, and we are the branches. Apart from him, we can do nothing. The branch is supposed to bear fruit. How does a branch bear fruit? If you pick a branch off the ground, can you make fruit? Can fruit come from it? No, it needs to be connected to the vine. It needs to be connected. It doesn't matter how hard the branch tries. he can't do it. The fruit of the Spirit comes from him. The Spirit is the one who changes us and will exalt Christ. He's God himself. He is also a guide and a help. He is, he's spoken as being a guide and a help to us. And it's even better for us that the Spirit, Jesus is God and the Spirit, is here. how do we walk in the Spirit? Well, the way he is referred to here is he. The Spirit is not a force. It's not it. It's not a power. not something we plug into, something we use when we need something or help with something. That we we don't just have to meditate and, and make things happen to understand. He is a person who communicates with us and leads us and guides us and directs us. Uh, Several years ago, I got to go to Mount Everest. If you're going to Mount Everest, it's probably good to have someone with you when you're going there. A lot of different places, you might have a guide. I'm not sure if you ever had a guide. Maybe you might think of a tour guide. And a lot of times, tour guides, well, they're kind of boring, and you just kind of want to do your own thing and explore on your own. Maybe if you're like me, when you go on a trail, even in the woods, you want to kind of just go off on your own path. I go to those corn mazes, and I try to get away from the path see if I can get lost. And I have, and it's kind of scary, but it's fun too, right? <laughs> the guide is there to help us, to instruct us where to go. But what happens? Sometimes we're not listening to the guide. Sometimes we're on our path, and we see something, and we're distracted by it. And we're just looking over there, and the guy's trying to tell us something, but we're so enthralled by this other thing we're seeing. Sometimes our eyes deceive us, and we think, well, this, path, this looks, looks better. It looks more fun. Sometimes the path the guide has taken us looks hard, and we're like, well, this path looks easier. I began reading uh, The Silver Chair with my kids, um, and I, uh, I, I'm i going to have to bring these illustrations in because it's been so perfect. I don't know if you guys have read The Silver Chair. I remember by C.S. Lewis, one of the Narnia books. And I remember this being one of my favorite books that my mom read to me when I was 10, but I don't remember anything of it. And I'm reading, i was like, wow. In the silver chair, the two kids, Jill and Eustace, are given a task to do by Aslan, who represents God. And he tells them, remember what I told you. Remind yourself these commands and, and go on this task. You're here to rescue the Prince Rillian. And they're on their journey, and they have, uh, they have a guide with them. I don't think he's a you know perfect representation of uh, the Holy Spirit, but he's their guide. He's kind of helping them, and on their journey, it's cold, it's windy. They're they're wet, they're tired, they haven't ate much, and they encounter this lady in green who is beautiful and speaks in a smooth, soft voice. She says to them, "Oh, you should go over here to Harfang. They have warm beds and uh, so much food." And you get a hot bath and be very comfortable. And their guy's like, well, I don't know. We should go there. And that's the voice I use for him. Um, Kids are like, no, we are tired. We need a break. We need some rest. And it says they quickly forgot all the things Aswan had told them. They stopped repeating the, the commands to remember what to do. They even forgot what they were out on this journey for. All they could think about was getting to Harfang, to getting to this comfortable spot. They forgot to listen. If we're going to follow this guide. If we're going to walk with the Spirit, we need to listen to him. We need to yield control, surrender our life to the Spirit. We must. We 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 like to follow rules, right? We like to follow these principles rather than walk with the Spirit, because the rules are easier to manage. I can know what I'm supposed to do. But the Spirit, we can't manage Him. Jesus says He's like the wind. He goes wherever He wants. He might direct us in different ways we don't like. We might not understand what He's saying. But if we follow our own our own heart, our own ways, our own rules, that'll end in destruction. Spirit will lead us to life. we us walk with the Spirit moment by moment, by crucifying our fleshly desires, crucifying those things that, uh, that are keeping us from seeing Jesus, being active in uh, attacking those and allowing the Spirit to guide us. I have another illustration for you guys. So to understand what it means to let the Spirit control us, I'm going to use... The Hershey syrup, or the H.S. for Hershey syrup, H.S. for Holy Spirit, and milk. All right, so this, this is, this is us, okay? This is milk. Guys, some people like milk here. I imagine some people are like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, you know, if you drink, I like milk with Oreos. It's great with Oreos, and, and there's times when it could be really, it's healthy for us. But I think it tastes kind of bland, right? And so we have our milk. And then we have the Hershey syrup. We're gonna add it in. Good amount. All right. Now, when you look at this, what do you see compared to before? Does it look any different? Not really, right? You can see there's something, there's something in here, and it looks a little different, but it still looks pretty white here, right? If you were to taste this, so you drink it, what's it gonna taste like? It's going to taste just like like You might taste a little bit of residue of chocolate in there, right? Mix it up. Yeah. Do I need more syrup in here? Do you guys think I need more Hershey's syrup in here? Yeah, you might say that. Reality is we don't need more of the syrup, right? There is enough syrup in here. There's enough syrup in here. The problem isn't there's enough syrup. The problem is we need to stir this up. Now you right, stir it up. All right, now what? Chocolate Chocolate milk, that's right. It looks different, right? Tastes different, tastes good. Good. This is an example of of the Holy Spirit, right? When we receive Christ, when we invite Christ into our life, the Holy Spirit comes and lives with us. He lives in us. We don't need more of the Holy Spirit. We have all we need for life and godliness, according to Peter. Right. Oh. We don't need more of the Holy Spirit, but we need to walk in step with the Spirit. We need to allow the Spirit to, have to overwhelm us, to control us, to consume us, and then we'll be changed. Now, if I leave this out overnight, what's going to happen? I put it in the fridge, so it's not, you know, not going to spoil. But if I leave this in the fridge, what's going to happen? Anyone know? No one knows because you just drink the chocolate milk, right? You don't leave it out. All right. Eventually, the chocolate will begin to go back down to the bottom. And this will, this will become a little bit lighter. It still, actually, probably still have more of the chocolate than the beginning, right? A little more of the flavor. But what needs to happen? We need to stir it up again. Right. Stir it again. We need to keep in step with the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit is not just a one-time thing. It's an ongoing, continually thing that we do. And we need to allow the Spirit to have control over every part of our life. So um, we need to examine, is there anything I'm trying to control? Maybe it's my time. Maybe it's my future. Maybe it's my physical body, what I do with my body, how I look. Maybe it's d- d- desires, money, success, good feelings. Maybe it's that, you know, I mentioned some of these already, but I think of, you know, having a happy marriage, well-behaved kids who are safe. Think about financial security. Think about the justice and healing. Am I willing to surrender these things to the Lord? Am I willing to, to give up my time to the Spirit when he's telling me to do something, when I feel tired? Am I willing to allow the Spirit to, to direct me to sacrifice time? When I was younger, one of the biggest things was my friends. I, I valued those friendships. I didn't want to lose them. But would I surrender my friends to the Lord, to the Spirit, if he was telling me and directing me to share the gospel with them, to talk to them about Jesus? Would I spend time in my room to spend time with the Lord in prayer and reading the Bible instead of going out with my friends when they're going out to do something? It keeps on happening. I still have to continue to surrender and walk with the Spirit. When we go on the mission, I, I saw this when we were in East Asia. People were like, okay, I'm going. I'm surrendering my summer to the Lord, my year to the Lord. I'm going overseas. And then they would go overseas to go, to be a missionary, and then they would sit in their room and watch movies all day. Kind of lost sight of things. And Bridget's smiling over there. She knows. Do this, right? Ongoing. Where do we go from here? Well, we go with the Spirit. For each of us may be different. The Spirit is a person, and He will interact with us personally. But I think there's some things we can, we can think about. One, recognize the things that enslave you. Turn it over to God. Talk to others about it. Confess the ways you rely on yourself. Actively fight against the passions of the flesh. Seek to understand yourself. Recognize those things. Then develop a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Practice walking in the Spirit. You develop that sensitivity, you know, just by even reading and learning about Him. Whether that's Looking at John 14 through 16, looking at the book of Acts, looking at other parts of Scripture, reading a book like uh, the Spirit filled, His Intimate Presence by Bill Bright or Delighting in the Trinity. Be in the Word in general. Now that's not the same as walking in the Spirit. I want to make sure we don't replace walking in the Spirit with just reading our Bible. But God's Word. The Bible is God's voice. And so if we want to hear and be sensitive to the voice of the Spirit, we will know His Word. We'll have more understanding of it. Recognize when the Spirit's at work in us when we're convicted of sin, reminded of a scripture, understanding something as we're we're reading, prompted to pray. That's work of the Spirit in us. Recognize that. Remember that. Submit to the Spirit and take steps of Faith. Now, I said, like, you know, sometimes there's pressure. I'm going to go on a mission in order to, because I feel like I need to perform, or I'm going to uh, read my Bible and perform, and we don't want to do it out of performance, out of pleasing. But these steps of faith are things that also will stretch us and cause us to depend on God. If I'm only doing things that I feel comfortable doing, that I feel safe doing, that I know I, know I can handle, I'm not likely to depend on the Spirit. It's very easy for me to depend on myself. Take steps of faith. And practice rest. Sometimes taking the step of faith is not doing activities. And saying, I, I can't do this right now. I need to rest. And then keep walking in the Spirit. It's Not one time. It's not this one moment. But keep walking in the Spirit. We need to continue to take step after step after step. It's easy to fall back to rules. I, I turn back to my methods. It's easier for me to just turn back to those things and remember and think, well, I didn't read my Bible today. I haven't read my Bible in a couple of days. I need to read my Bible. That's the that's solution to my problems. I need to start doing more things with my kids. I've missed that Bible reading. I feel guilty or shame. All these different things. Not just one step. Let's keep walking. Well, in this John passage, you know, Jesus tells them, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. We may feel pressure to perform, to prove ourselves, to be perfect, to please others. Jesus came to give us a new way to live and a new life. Jesus came to give us freedom, to deliver us from sin. There's good news for those who are in Christ. Through his death, he has delivered us from the penalty of sin. We don't need to try to earn God's favor. He promises Spirit to those who trust him, and the Holy Spirit is delivering us from the power of sin in our life. We can trust him to, uh, to transform our lives. And Christ will return and take us to be with him forever, to enjoy perfect rest and freedom in deliverance from the presence of sin. If you've been trusting yourself, being your own guide, you can surrender to Jesus the Holy Spirit right now. You can, by faith, pray and ask Jesus to deliver you and give you freedom, and open your heart and admit your need for him to save you from yourself. For some of you, you may need to pray a prayer like this, Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin to forgive me and make me new. I surrender my life to you. For others, we may want to pray something like this. Holy Spirit, I confess, I still try to control my life and make it work. I surrender control of my life to you and ask you to lead me and guide me, convict me of sin, comfort me with the gospel, and make me more like Christ. The world offers pressure. God offers his presence. More than just relief, there is rest in him. You can choose the pressure or his presence. I'm going to close in prayer using, using some lyrics to a song that you may know, and as well as my own words here. But, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long long for, to be overcome By your presence, Lord. There's nothing worth more that will overcome close. No thing can compare your our living hope. Your presence, Lord. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. May we come to you and find rest, Lord. May we come to you, the source of living water. May we turn away from our idols. Turn away from self-reliance and rest and rely on you. Lead us and guide us. Work in us and work through us. Be our source of life. We confess we seek our ways rather than follow your way. We confess we hold on to many things. May we relinquish control to you over every part of our life. Have your way in us. We want you more. It was even better the second time. Great job. Thanks for pointing us towards Jesus and reminding us of the spirit.